Hi, this is Marty McFly, and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4. Boy, oh boy, Mom, you sure know how to hydrate a good podcast. Welcome to Hydrate Level 4, a podcast where we take a nostalgic look at movies from different generational perspectives. And I'm your host, Peter, and joining me today is Leonard from the Look and Listen podcast. How you doing, Leonard? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, so today we're going to be doing the uh, the 1990 House Party. It's a, uh, a hip-hop comedy uh, directed by Reginald Hudlin. Uh, stars Christopher Play Martin, uh, Christopher Kidd Reed, Martin Lawrence, uh, Robin Harris, Tisha Campbell, A.G. Johnson, and kind of who's who uh, from the 90s hip-hop scene, I would say. Uh, this movie, I had you choose, but before we get into uh, some of the details about the movie, I want to take a ba- uh, trip back to 1990 and cover, uh, go over some of the songs and movies that came out around that time. All right. Uh, starting with the songs, the number one song at the time was Janet Jackson's Escapade. Do you remember that one? Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, so that's a good one there. Uh, the, the number one song that preceded that was Opposites Attract by Paula Abdul. Yeah, Paula <laughs> Abdul and MC Scat Cat, right? Uh, yeah, it says duet with the wild pair, but that's that's the same one. Yeah, mm-hmm. with the cat, and the one that preceded it. This one I don't know by name. Maybe if I heard it, but it's uh, the song's called Black Velvet by Alana Miles. Yeah, I remember that one too. <laughs> yeah, what uh, think, what genre was that one? Um, I would say that's probably more like a a rock pop type song, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. That song was, um, I think it was about Elvis Presley, if I'm not mistaken, man. And she was like, Black Velvet and that little boy smile, blah, blah, blah. Huh. Um, I know the song, though. Like, when you mentioned the title, I remember the song. I think it was kind of more like a, it was something that you're like on top 40 radio and all that kind of stuff. You know what okay. I mean? Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Again, probably one of those things, if I heard it, I'd remember it. Right. So tell me if you uh, remember any of these movies uh, that came out around the time of this movie's release. How about Blind Fury? Um, I think I remember that one, man. That sounds familiar. Yeah, it's a, a a blind guy who uses like a sword as a it's a cane, but you know you pull it out, it's a sword. Uh, I think that's um, uh, Rutger Hauer. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do remember that one. How about uh, Lord of the Flies? Yep. Yeah, that was yeah. crazy. That movie right there was crazy, man. Yeah, based on a book. Um, mm-hmm. Lombada. Yep. The yep. Forbidden Dance. <laughs> yes, The Forbidden Dance. The, the song still hits. Yeah. Um, let's see. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Of course. Of course. And uh, and also Pretty in Pink. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. No, Pretty Woman yeah, came out around yeah. the time of this movie yeah. came out. Pretty Woman, yeah. Um, Julia Robinson, Richard Gere. Mm-hmm. That's the one. Yep. Joe versus the Volcano. Did you ever see that one? I did see that, yeah. That one I kind of missed, but I know that's got Tom Hanks in it. Right. Tom Hanks was fighting a, a volcano. <laughs> he was Joe, and then there was a volcano in there. Do you remember if it was good or not? That movie was bad. Yeah? It was a bad one? Yeah, okay. It was, it was kind of silly, man. It was one of those movies that just kind of came out. It was probably, if you ask Tom Hanks about his filmography, like if you go through his IMDb page and, and just start calling out names... He might, he probably, I don't mean, I can't speak for him, but I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of was like, damn, why you mentioned Joe versus the volcano? Right. <laughs> okay. 
So, um, so yeah, that's basically uh, you know your pop culture references there from from uh, early 1990. Uh, the movie House Party. You did select this one. Uh, what's your history with this movie? Man, um, so it came out in '90. Um, I was 10 years old at the time, um, so I don't remember if I actually saw it that year. If I saw it, you know, a little bit later on, um, I don't remember the first time I saw it. But you know, I, like as a hip hop head. Um, you know, and, and also a fan of like comedy or whatever, like the, the two things combining, you know, I'm, you know, I wasn't necessarily a huge, huge kid and play fan, but, you know, I was a fan of the stuff that they had done, you know, back in the days or whatever. I, you know, I remember watching their videos on Rap City and Young TV raps and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, what I mean, just, um, you know, trying to emulate some of their dances. Um, I probably bust my ass trying to do that, you know, that, that jump over the leg joint and all of that, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, to hear that they had a movie coming out, like again, I don't remember if I if I actually watched it the year that it came out, if it was later on. But whenever I caught wind of it, like, oh, yo, Kid and Play got a movie. All right, this is what's up. So you know, I, I watched it at that point. And, you know, just had a great time watching it, man. You know, what I'm saying it, I wasn't necessarily in high school at that time yet, but you know, what I'm saying it was relatable. You know, what I mean, like that was mm-hmm. one thing about their music too. Like, you know, I mean, there's been diff, you know, many different sort of flavors in hip-hop and, and a lot of different artists have come along throughout the years or whatever and some people might be more relatable to you and other ones I, mean, I might not have necessarily been you know the direct person that kid and play was talking to but you know they were somebody that i was familiar with you know what i'm saying so mm-hmm. i wanted to check it out and i had a great time watching it and you know over the years you know i've watched it many many times you know what i'm saying um and I, I when i was watching it, i just watched it I just finished watching it before we came on this podcast. And, um, you know, as I was sitting here watching it, you know, I was able to, you know, quote the lines, you know, as they were saying it and, you know, just laughing at different things that are still funny to me all these years later. Um, so it's, it's been a movie that I've always, you know, enjoyed watching, had a great time watching it, you know, here tonight before we got on the microphone. And, um, you know, that's pretty much it, man. Like, it's, it's just, to me, it's a classic, man. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I was, I was sitting here watching it, and, um, you know, the, the famous dance scene, which, you know, we may get to later, you know what I'm saying? The famous dance scene between Kid Play and, uh, you know, Sydney and Shireen. I was like, yo, to me, as far as my movie taste, that's one of the illest scenes ever. Like, like it's one of the best scenes in a movie that I've seen, you know, in, in my, you know, 36 years on this earth. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, it's always been a fun movie. I've always enjoyed it, man. So it's, it's a classic to me. Yeah, it you know, I wouldn't say I grew up watching this. I'm just a just a few years younger. I was what 7, I think when this movie came out. Okay. And I think you know, I probably saw it on um on HBO or something for the yeah. most part because I've always remembered the line, you know, you you smell something, I smell pussy. You know, I, I remember right. that <laughs> line. And like I think I've seen it on like, you know, uh, USA up all night or something and mm-hmm. they had the clean version. It just didn't sound right. So with my history, I feel like I've seen it more like the the R-rated version. Um, clearly, you know, uh, I'm not black. I th- this is you know going to be like a cultural difference between us. You know, uh, I, I did have uh, aunts and uncles were teens around this uh, around this time, so you know the hip hop culture was kind of uh, around me uh, as I kind of grew up. So I did watch you know MTV, eventually BET, and things like that. But Kid and Play is not you know people I knew from anything else other than this movie, uh, unfortunately. Now, the scene that you talked about, the dance scene, you saying how good it really was, I didn't know that Shireen, you know, A.J. Johnson, 
uh, she actually uh, choreographed that uh, for her and Tisha Campbell. I actually didn't know that until you just said it. That's what's up. Yeah. yeah, so it was it was a really good scene too. Uh, I thought the dancing was really good, uh, and the 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 battle later on between kid and play as well. Mm-hmm. I thought those were pretty good. Yeah, you know, like battles nowadays they get they're they're more like beefs now. You know, they get pretty violent, and you know, it, it's not it's not like clowning how they used to be, right? Right. There's no one on Six Park, is there? Is that still around? Um, I don't even know, man. Because <laughs> I, I mean, I remember the Freestyle fr- Friday, you know, and and that's that's the last time I really saw freestyle like that. Now it's just like uh, rappers like taking shots at at, at one another. You yeah, know, um, yeah. I mean, like at the time when this movie was made, there was no one hundred six in Park. Um, mm-hmm. You know, battle rap has always been a part of hip hop culture. Um, you know, cats used to just battle on the streets. You know, then, of course, like you had famous battles like, you know, KRS and MC Shan and Nas and Jay-Z and, and, and many, many others, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. um, that, that kind of happened like on record. But, you know, the, the sort of street level, it's kind of like if you if you look at basketball, you know, there's there's, you know, organized basketball, you know, high school, college, NBA and then there's street ball or whatever. So, you know, the, the battle rappers I've always kind of looked at is like sort of like the street balls, the cats who weren't in the the organized game or whatever but you know still very talented you know at what they do and everything and in some ways sort of their own level of a genius but can you really make a record and stuff like that so there's been a lot of battle rappers who might not have actually been able to make good records and albums and stuff like that but they have sort of like a, a unique and specialized talent you know sort of like a street baller might have like you know he can play organized ball but he might not be able to to play at a d1 college in, in, in the nba or something like that you know what i mean but he's also mm-hmm. but he's still very talented basketball player but it's just kind of like he's got a certain niche that he you know uh resides in or whatever um so that's kind of like what it is and you know the battling culture like you know nowadays i don't even know if 106 still exists or whatever but you know with URL and, you know, some of the other things out there like that you might catch on YouTube, like there's still sort of a spot for that, but you just kind of got to know where to look for it and everything. Um, but the battle that they had in this movie, you know, is, is sort of the essence of it. You know, it's just two cats, a beat and a microphone and them going at each other. You know what I'm saying? And, and yeah, you know, that, that's, that's, that's basically the essence of it, man. And, you know, it just happened to be that they were two members of a group, but you know, in, in this particular film, they were just friends. They weren't a group in the, in the movie. They were just, you know, homeboys or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now I, I just looked up a little bit about what they've kind of been doing. There's not a whole lot really. It doesn't look like kids really been uh, doing a whole lot, but play. Now I didn't know this, but back in the late eighties and till the uh, early or mid nineties, he was actually married to uh, Sherry Headley. Who yeah. played Lisa from Coming to America? Yeah. So I didn't know that, but currently I guess he's a hip hop teacher at the uh, North Carolina Central University. Yep, that's not too far from where I'm at right now. That's in Durham, North Carolina. Um, depending on where you live at, you know, up to thirty minutes away, but you know, in some spots, some some areas of Raleigh, not even that far away. So yeah, you know, Central is is right here in the in the area, man. You know what I'm yep, saying? So I wanted to bring that out because I knew you, you know, you're a Carolina fan. Yeah, definitely. All right. So this movie, um, we we talked a little bit about Kid and Play and the story for those that kind of forgot. Uh, basically, it it's, takes like over the course of one day where, you know, they start off in the uh, in the cafeteria and plays like, hey, my parents are going to be out of town and wants to throw a party. And uh, in between, um, 
well, in the you know, let's just talk about the the cafeteria scene. Okay. Um, and so, kid, he uh, we meet kind of the baddies of the movie, right? It, it's played by Full Force. Yeah. Uh, I don't have their names off. Well, actually, no, it's uh, Pee Wee, Zilla, and Stab. Yeah. You know the the three baddies here, and they kind of get in a little bit of a scuffle uh, here. And yo, wait, 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 wait. What's the problem? What's wrong? Your mama can't afford no iron? I tell you what, tell her come on over to Stab. All right, I'll put her on the stroll. She can save up, get one. <laughs> Yo, this punk motherfucker throwing shit at us, man. man. I smell something, man. You smell something? I definitely smell something in my hair. I smell pussy. Because of the scuffle, Kid's dad kind of grounds him, doesn't allow him to go to this party, which ultimately he sneaks out. And that's the rest of the movie. It, it's him trying to get to the party and then hooking up with Tisha Campbell. And that that's basically it. Let's talk a little bit about um, Kid. Now, he's basically our main character, right? Yeah, yeah, you could say that. Now, did you know, uh, apparently this was written for like uh, uh, Will Smith and Jazzy Jeff? Yeah, I did actually know that. I heard that a while ago. Okay. Um, And, and they turned it down for whatever reason. And then, you know, the... The filmmakers, um, I think Reginald Hudlin was the director. Um, so they, you know, they went after Kid and Play after getting rejected by BJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Now, do you think this could have been a different movie had they been in it? Like, do you think this would have been like maybe even bigger or do you think it'd still be about the same? Man, um, I don't really know, man. I mean, obviously with the movie being Kid and Play, it just feels right for them to be, uh, you know, kid and play in the movie or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Um, it just feels like that was the the best choice. Had it been Will and Jeff, man, I mean, I guess we could have gotten the same movie if everybody else was was cast as they were. But I don't think like the Mag because, you know, at the time, I don't even think Fresh Prince was out at that time. So, you know, Will and Jeff were still kind of, I feel like at that time, back in 1990 or, or even 89, you know, if, if the movie was actually shot then and then, you know, later released in 90, um, they were still kind of like cats that just hip hop people knew. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's not like Will Smith now, like, you know, he's got Suicide Squad coming out. And, you know, he's right. done all these big, big things in that time. Like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air hadn't even come out at that point. Um, and Jeff, you know, I mean, a lot of people know Jeff. You know, he's, he's a, a world renowned and, and well-respected DJ. But at that point, you know, I don't think that their names would have necessarily made it a bigger hit than it was. You know, I, I kind of feel like to some degree, the two of them and Kid and Play were on the same level in terms of like popularity and notoriety and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it just feels like to me, just kind of thinking about it, it's almost like, um, you know, I heard somebody say uh, not too long ago um, in reference to an, a, a television show that sometimes you watch something and you see a person you know, deliver their performance. It's like, you know what? Like nobody else could have done this. Like you, they're so convincing with how they did their thing that it's like, yo, I can't see anybody else playing this role. And I mean, it's not like a masterful Oscar level performance and all that, that these cats delivered, but I really can't see nobody else playing the lead roles in that, in this film other than them. So I know that Will and, and Jeff were the original choices and they probably would have done a great job, but Seeing Kid and Play do it as they did, they were the people that, that should have been in that movie. 
Yeah, I, I think I agree with you because just knowing, um, you know, uh, Will Smith and Jazzy Jeff, it's like, well, which roles would they have played? Because you had Martin being the DJ. Yeah. So would Martin not be in it? You know, you put Will Smith in there. Who's he playing? Is he playing the kid character or is he playing the play character? You know, right. so it would change a lot of different things. And the movie probably could have been a lot differently and maybe not even be in a good way because Kid and Player is, is known for their dancing, right? So right. we may not have gotten an, uh, as an effective dance scene as exactly. we, you know, did with Kid and Play if we got Will Smith and Jazzy Jeff. Right. We may still have a battle scene, but I don't even know if Jazzy Jeff um, battles or rap. Yeah, they, yeah, like they probably like... Yeah, exactly. Like you said, like, you know, Martin Lawrence, Martin Lawrence's role as Bilal, the DJ, mm-hmm. might have been, you know, taken over by Jeff because Jeff was actually a DJ or is mm-hmm. a DJ. You know what I mean? And Will is a rapper. So the battle scene, who would he have battled? Like, he probably wouldn't have battled Jeff because Jeff ain't no rapper. I mean, I guess you could have had somebody write his stuff for him or whatever, but the movie would be different in certain mm-hmm. ways. You know what I mean? And, and some of the, the chemistry and the things that you saw you know, between the actors, um, you know, Martin being a comedian and, and the things that he was able to deliver, you know, for example, like when play came to, you know, pick him up and everything and, you know, was just tossing his fucking equipment in the car <laughs> and, you know, just throwing the records around and scratching up his speakers and all that. And just like his reactions to all that kind of stuff, like we might have missed out on those performances because Martin possibly wouldn't have been in the movie. Or if he was, he might not have been playing Bilal because you might have had you know, a cat like Jeff, who really was a DJ playing that role to, you know, go for more authenticity, you know, with a DJ or whatever. So, you know, it, it would have been different in one way or another. But like you said, the differences may not have necessarily been positive. Yeah. And, you know, who knows? Had Martin not been in this movie, we don't know. Maybe we wouldn't have gotten Martin. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, because that's where he and Tisha Campbell, I think, first worked together on this on this film. Mm hmm. So uh, let's talk about Tisha Campbell and uh, A.J. Johnson, who plays uh, Shireen and Sydney. Uh, I think I have the names backwards, but um, Tisha Campbell is Sydney. Uh, right. A.J. Johnson is Shireen. So they're, they're uh, I, I guess they're best friends. You can say that. And yeah. they both kind of, you know, have a liking to kid. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the, the differences in their character, where Shireen is from the projects. Right. And uh, Sydney has you know a nice home. Her parents are, you know, uh, you know, kind of upper class, uh, you know, black folks, and and also I coming from somebody who's not black or white, I find it interesting that kind of our leads, uh, Tisha Campbell and uh, Kid, are both kind of the lighter skin black folks, and then Play and Shireen are the the darker skin. With Shireen being from the projects, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, that's that's something that I noticed as well. Um, I was listening to a podcast, let's say within the last couple months, um, they did their own review of this movie. And somebody, I forget what show I was listening to, um, so I can't even give proper credit, but whoever it was, man, one of the people on there said something that I had never thought about um, with this film until I heard them say it. And it was basically to the effect of like, when you watch this movie, man, you see all different types of black people. Like you said, I mean, there's the obvious things like, um, you know, Kid and Tisha being of a lighter complexion and, you know, the boys from Full Force and, you know, basically everybody else being brown skin or dark skinned black folks or whatever. But then like the class differences, you know what I'm saying? Like you mentioned the fact that Sharan was from the projects, but her best friend was Sydney, 
who comes from like an upper middle class environment. I think, you know, when she and Kid were walking home um, in that one scene, I think she said her father owns like a, a few grocery stores and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And there's this scene where, um, you know, Kid is running from full force and he ends up at this um, this party you know, with these old, you know, bougie black folks or whatever like that. George George Clinton is the DJ and all of that kind of stuff. Sydney's parents were at that party. You know right. what I'm saying? So, like, that's where she comes from. But her best friend is from the projects, like, straight from the projects. Like, got, like, seven people living in, in you know, a one or two bedroom apartment. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's furniture outside, like, the straight projects, projects. Like, wherever you come from. The, the gutter, that's where she lives at. You know what I'm saying? And then you have like kid and play who are kind of like middle class or maybe lower middle class, like, but they have like single family homes and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, we didn't see wherever full force lived at and all that kind of stuff, but just like sort of like the class differences and obviously the skin tones. And there was a lot of layers there that I think that I hadn't even really noticed until I was listening to these people talk about it. So actually, when I was watching the movie tonight, you know, what I mean, I, I actually was kind of thinking of some of those things like, damn, you know, what I'm saying that I, you can see, you know, some differences or whatever. But it just kind of shows you that, you know, black folks are not a monolith. You know, what I mean, mm-hmm. like as a black person, I know that or whatever. But the sort of subtle way that they were able to show that in this film was something that I think a lot of people missed out on because, you know, we were just having fun watching the movie, man, you know, and, and the dancing and the rapping and all that stuff that was happening within it. I think sometimes, you know, you might have taken that for granted where you look at like, who are these people? You know, how how are they all in the same? Like, how does how did upper middle class Sydney go to the same high school as Project Shireen? Mm-hmm. You would think like maybe they live on different side of town and different districts and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Or Sydney, you know, would have theoretically been in a private school somewhere. Because her family could have afforded it and everything like that, but she was at the the local public high school, and I mean, you know, you know we don't know the background or whatever. They might have grown up together or whatever. Just her family was able to move out of the hood and the whole nine. But you know, there was there was a lot of different things that were in play that we probably didn't notice or whatever. But you know, it was it's definitely probably a little bit deeper than you actually realize. You know what I'm saying? Just at first glance. Absolutely. Uh, before we move on from Shireen's house, I, you know, I haven't seen this in such a long time, but uh, it was nice seeing Pinky as her brother, you know, from next Friday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know <laughs> what? Wow. The the thing, the funny thing was, um, did you ever see um, Menace to Society? A long time ago. You know the character that he played, um, in that in that film. I was like, there he go. Like I was thinking of that particular character, Chauncey or whatever. What was he, Jada Pinkett's? Um, nah, he was Chauncey was a, a dude in the projects. He was like there was a scene where this white dude came up to him and was talking about this car that he wanted to get stolen, and he was coming to Chauncey to to um, steal the car or whatever. You know, to the listeners out there, no offense, but this is what they called him. They called him faggot ass Chauncey. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You know, no, no offense to any gay folks out there listening, but you know what I'm saying? That's what they called him in the movie. So I just, you know, that's why I said that word. But I was thinking like just his attitude. I mean, Clifton Powell always plays a villain in the movie. Like I haven't, I can't think of a movie that he was a good guy or whatever. So whether it be Chauncey or Pinky or, you know, any of his other roles, like you always look at Clifton Powell, like out of the side of y'all, like, here go this motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what we got in this one too. <laughs> yeah, I, for whatever reason, like I thought about Chauncey because- there was basically a scene where he was standing in the door of his project apartment 
um, and menace, just like he was there. I was like, this, see, this was this is where Chauncey came from. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, I you you mentioned that uh, kid and play, uh, you know, probably grew up with a single home family. Well, kid for sure because his mom passed away. And yeah. uh, again, it's been so long since I've seen this movie. But his dad, man, his his dad was, you know, trying to do right by him. Right? He didn't. He was like, look, you, you know. Uh, after finding out that he had to scuffle with with the with the bad guys, he's just like, no, don't 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 go to this party. You know, it's just going to be more trouble. You know, stay here, get your head in those books. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, I I really like Robin Harris's character in, in this movie, and as I understand it, he improvised a lot of his lines. Yeah, I heard that too. That you know, the majority of what he said in this movie was was improvised, and with him being a, a great comic, you know, comedic talent. You know, it makes a lot of sense, man. It, you know, it was sad that he died um, so soon. You know, he had done this movie and he was in Harlem Nights, had a small role in there. Um, you probably remember, and the listeners probably remember um, the movie Bay Bay's, Bay's Kids. Kids. Yep. That was actually supposed to be a live action film. He was supposed to star in it because Bay Bay's Kids was a bit that he had done in his comedy routines. Um, and they, you know, whoever the studio was, they liked it so much that they gave him the film. And so he was supposed to star in that movie, but he died before they had a chance to make it. So that's why that movie is actually animated. Mm. Um, but if if he wouldn't have died, then he would have been in the movie as as you know the lead role, you know his first starring uh, starring role or whatever. Um, and something that I that I can tell you um, also, like I, I heard recently um, on uh, the Combat Jack show and also on um, Ice T's Final Level podcast. Um, on Combat Jack, Bowlegged Lou from Full Force, who played um, Pee Wee, mm-hmm. the guy that was like, "We're gonna kick your fucking ass, <laughs> Pee Wee," and then um, he was on that on Combat Jack show by himself, and then on Ice T show, um, he and uh, B Fine, who played Zilla, um, the dude that you know, he wasn't the main dude that he that uh, kid had beef with or whatever. He was the other big dude, right? You know, that was like you know head like a rocket, stick your finger in the socket, punk motherfucking name, kid. That was that was B. Fine's character, Zilla. Actually, all three of those guys from Full Force are brothers. They're blood brothers. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? I well, I, the, yeah, so, the two bigger ones look alike, you know? Yeah, they look exactly alike. So that's that's um, Paul Anthony and B. Fine. Those are the two bigger ones. And then Bowlegged Lou is their other brother, which I knew that already. But what, I, what I'm bringing up here is that um, on both of those shows, they actually mentioned the fact that you know, when they were cast for the role of the, the villains in this movie, they had, um, you know, they had a script that was written for, for what they were supposed to do. And I think actually, I think B. Fine was supposed to pee, play Pee Wee. And um, I think Lou was actually Zilla. They switched it so that Lou would play Pee Wee and, and B. Fine would be Zilla, right? Uh-huh. Um, and when you look at the three of them, you know, Lou is the smaller of the three of of the three brothers and everything. But when you mentioned the ad-libbing part, excuse me, they said that the script was written as it was or whatever, but they came back and they, they kind of changed it. You know what I'm saying? They, they sort of rewrote their own parts. So what you hear them saying, the movie wasn't actually scripted for them to say, they kind of ad-libbed or just sort of changed the script, but they were able to gain the confidence of the filmmakers. Like once they brought it back, cause like they, they kind of rewrote their parts and then showed it off to uh, the director or whatever, and he approved it. He's like, yeah, this is pretty good. So he was like, yo, so we just want to change all of our shit. So they they had sort of like the feeling or the vibe 
um, that the movie wanted to present those three characters as, but they changed it up. So what, what we hear them say is not the original stuff that those characters were supposed to say. You know what I mean? They, they changed it up and probably made it better than what it actually was. Just like when Robin Harris did his, um, you know, ad-libbing to, to make what Pop said, you know, even better. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's a little tidbit, you know, about, you know, the making of this film and, and how those guys, you know, did what they did. Yeah, you know, and that's that's great that they were able to kind of get into character and say, no, this is this is actually how we would really sound. This is how right. we would really say, right. uh, say things. So that's uh, and John Witherspoon, you know, also mm-hmm. uh, did the same thing. Who played the, the neighbor who calls the cops? What the hell going on here? Hey, shut up all that damn noise. This ain't Soul Train. Where's Don Cornelius with this business? Hey, hey, hey! You shut up all that damn noise. I paid fifteen thousand dollars for this house. Who else is over there? Public enema? What's his name? Public enemy? Public enema? What the hell is a public enema anyway? Who will give a public enema? Walter. You boy, hey brother, you by yourself. What's wrong, brother? <laughs> that maybe that big waterhead you got. Hey! Shut up all this damn noise. Hey, baby. Yes, you have got some nice ones. Walter. Oh, baby, shut up. I'm just playing with the little kids. You should come out and find what she's eating and maybe you can get you some. Um, so that's nice too. Just a bunch of characters from the from the Friday uh, franchise, mm-hmm. you know, all, all in this movie. Oh, and um, one more thing, one more thing too. Um, Lou said that he came up with that high pitched voice. Like that's not what his voice really sounds like. He said that you know when he decided you know that he would play Pee Wee, he he said, "Yo, I'm gonna I'm gonna speak like this and sort of." So he changed the character completely from you know from it being his brother to himself, and then you know gave it gave the character that that sort of like unique voice and and everything like that you know what i mean so it was it was you know changes that were made but it was it was fitting like when you saw it it worked so Mm -hmm. it did i i like uh i like a couple things here i like robin harris when he goes to the house uh to the party and he's looking for kid and he's basically clowning on everybody, even the the comedian A.J. Johnson, who right. will end up going to play Ezel uh, mm-hmm. in the first Friday movie. Y'all be shaming yourself. Messing up these folks' house. No, it ain't paid for. Y'all in here doing something wrong. Blah. Blah, whatever your name is. Sound like some of you catch on your feet. You see my boy? Nah, I, I haven't seen him, sir. You sure? He ain't seen him. Why don't you go home and watch The Late Show, Pops? Why don't you just go home? A little test tube, baby. What's her name? Clinton. Clinton what? Clinton, um, X. Clinton X, huh? Yeah, Clinton X. Uh, I'm a Muslim. Uh huh. Well, go home and bring me back two bean pies and a pork chop sandwich. Little trout mouth heathen. <laughs> Oh, how you doing? I should have known you was in here. I saw the dripping from the driveway. You know something with that Jerry curl you got on your head? You better not ever do a crime. Police never would. They had no problem finding you. Follow the drip. Follow the drip. They've never had no problem finding you. Blair, where's the boy? Is he upstairs? Huh? Uh, but then also, your uh, the B-Force, or not B-Force, I'm sorry, Full Force, when they get to the party, Play won't even let them in. He's like, no, I, I don't want, you know, I don't want hoodlums here. Right. You know, and so it, this movie's got a lot of uh, different things here. You know, this this party, they're just having a good time. There's there's nobody doing drugs. You know, there's some drinking here and there. A kid doesn't drink, you know, right. um, and even they, you know, kind of promote safe sex here, which is, you know, doesn't happen often in movies. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had a uh, the the one cat who was really drinking the most was was Groove from the the group Groove Be Chill. You know, they were a real group. They had some music out there. Um, Groove and, and um, Daryl Chill Martin, you know, who went on to some other things. He was on, I think he was on the John Cat show, mm-hmm. you know, later on in like the, the 90s or whatever like that, you know. And I was watching this movie and every time I see this movie since he had this accident, I always feel bad, like whenever I see Chill because Chill was in a motorcycle accident, you know, many years ago when mm-hmm. you know, he became paralyzed. So he can't walk anymore. He's in a wheelchair. But in this movie, you know what I'm saying, he's he's up walking around and dancing and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I, I even did it tonight when I was watching the joint. He was dancing and trying to learn the dance that, you know, kid was doing. And I was like, just like, damn, chill, man. Like, damn, chill. But, um, yeah, Groove, man. Groove was drinking that old English, man. He had like a 24-ounce a can of that OE, and he was getting fucked up. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, back in the days, man, like, especially when I was in college, you know, we used to, you know, we used to go hard with like 40s of OE, just, you know, being wild and shit. So looking at that can, I was like, yeah, man, she was trying to get it in. <laughs> yeah, I got into a little bit of St. Ides myself uh, yeah. when I was a little bit younger. Mm-hmm. But uh, I do like that part where they are trying to get a kid to drink. And uh, I, I didn't write the line down, but it was talking about like, you know, getting getting your dick hard. You know, and then they get called yeah. out by by uh, Sydney and Shireen to come yeah. out dancing. And uh, which one was he? Uh, there's Chill and then Groove. You said, yeah, Groove. The group was called Groove B Chill, chill right? And so Groove, Groove was the comes one out with Kid and starts right. dancing, but he's so drunk that he starts like falling down and stuff. I thought he was doing yeah. pretty good too. At yeah, first. He, yo, he was like Groove yeah. was. He was there for a little while, but once they, once they hit that spin move, <laughs> that <was laughs> when hit it. that spin move. Over. That was it. Was a wrap. But yeah. then play came in real cool, took his jacket off, passed it to somebody in the crowd, kind of moved one of the ladies out of the way and was like, yo, here we go. And they started doing their little famous toe touching joint. And, you know, it was on from there. And like I said earlier, like one of the greatest scenes, you know, in a movie, you know, was born. Yeah. it. You know, that dance actually goes on their their signature dance. It actually goes a lot longer than I remember it, you know, because people kind of do the basic, you know, the the combination of what appears to be like you know, like the Roger Rabbit or whatever. And, you right. know, you kick, kick, turn around and kick, touch your heels. But it, it was a little bit more uh, complicated than that, actually. And um, it was pretty good. But but chill, like the scene I, I always remembered was when he would dance and bump like Martin's uh, turntables. Uh-huh, yeah. You know, yeah. so I always remember that one. Yeah, he bumped the table like three times and messed up the mix, like scratched the record and, and changed the record. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, you know, and, and and Martin was like, "Look, man, stop bumping the table and shit." And you know, the last time he bumped the table, he walked from Martin walked from behind the turntables. I was like, "Yo, man, I told you to go way over there, man. You keep bumping the table, I'm gonna kick your fucking heart out." And Chill just looked at him. He ain't look. He, he ain't say a word. He just looked at him, ice grilled him. Martin kindly walked his happy ass behind back behind that turntable because he knew he didn't want it with Chill. You know, we're, we're talking about Martin now. I completely forgot about this scene, and I, I loved it. it. It's when he's dancing with that girl, and he's like, you make me want to sing. And he started singing. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was a pretty good line. And I I think, that the, I forgot what movie it is, but um, Bobby Brown had a very similar line in another movie, too, um, where he, at first, when he's dating some girl, he's like looking like a nerd. And uh, he's talking about like, oh, you look so good, you make me make me want to sing. And then later on in the movie, he's like, you know, looking all nice and stuff. Um, 
I don't know what movie that is, but but I mean, but shit, talking about um Bobby Brown, man. Uh, he and Martin were in a thin line between love and hate together. You know what I'm saying? So that's a connection between him and, and Martin Lawrence. Right. Um, that's another movie that I love that came out, I think, sometime in the 90s, maybe the mid-90s. You know, that was uh, Martin Lawrence and Bobby was in there. Lynn Whitfield was in there. Uh, Regina King. Uh, Miguel Nunez had a role in there. Della Reese was in there, too. Um, I forget my man's name, but the, the black dude from Magnum P.I., he was in that joint, too. You know what I'm saying? So that that was another that was another classic joint right there, man. Thin line between love and hate. You know what I'm saying? If you haven't done that one, you know, if you do, you say you do '90s movies and stuff, right? Oh, you know, basically just, just movies in general. Yeah, you know, I, I take the, the the guests, you know, back on a trip to their, you know, when yeah. they were younger, growing up with these movies. That's another good one, man. You know what I mean? A thin line between love and hate, starring Martin Lawrence and Lynn Whitfield. That was that was crazy right there. That's one of my favorite joints too. Um, but yeah, Bobby Brown was in that movie with Martin. So okay, uh, what are some of your uh, other favorite scenes? Um, were there any other cameos from people that we might have missed? Yo, I, something I just noticed, man. Um, while I was watching the movie, um, and I, I took a picture of it and put it on Facebook and um, Instagram, was uh, if you remember the Martin show, there was a few episodes where they had this guy who was gay and and he always rolled up on Martin and called him Almond Brown. Like, hey, Almond Brown, you so almondy. Look at you, old almondy self. I just noticed tonight watching this movie that in the scene where there's these three guys in the bathroom and they're fixing their hair and all that kind of stuff and then Play comes in there. Big old turd in the toilet. Yeah, there's a big old log in the toilet and everything like that. That the dude that was, you know, the Almond Brown dude was the tall dude in that scene. Okay. He had on like a blue tank top. See, I, I don't remember uh, Martin that much. So Yeah, so the, the Alma Brown shit was, was classic. Like he, he, popped, he popped up at a party they were having. Um, if you remember, for the folks out there, if you remember the, uh, the DMV episode where Martin had to spend like the whole day trying to get his license renewed and he was taking a test and this same guy ended up, you know, basically floating into the room and, and you know, try to help Martin with his test and everything like that. And he was like, hey, Almond Brown, let me help you with your little test and all that kind of shit. And he was like, yo, man, basically, like, every time he, he messed with Martin, Martin was like, man, get the fuck out of here. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I ain't, I, ain't, I ain't with all that. You know what I mean? Like, leave me alone. But I just, just noticed tonight. And, you know, folks out there and even you too, Peter, like, go back and look that shit up. You'll see it's the same dude. He had on a blue tank top. He was in that bathroom scene at house party. And look up Almond Brown. I think if you just type in, like, Martin Almond Brown on YouTube, you'll see the same dude fucking with Martin all these years later. So, you know, it's it's crazy that, you know, this movie sparked off the relationship between Martin and Tisha Campbell, which, you know, later, you know, gave us the Martin show. Mm. Kid was on Martin as a guest one time. The Almond Brown dude was on there. You know what I mean? Like, John Witherspoon was actually on Martin before, too. Okay. You know what I'm saying? John Witherspoon, who played the crazy neighbor who was fucking with the kids. You know, he lived right next to play and everything. There was an episode um, of Martin where he played uh, Martin's crazy uncle who was a, a Vietnam veteran. So he had an eye patch and everything like that. And, you know, just extremely high levels of PTSD and everything like that based on, you know, 
his experiences in Vietnam and everything like that. So all of these different relationships probably were started with this film. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, if you look at it, everybody everybody but kid and play kind of went on to to do a lot you know you mentioned martin uh the show anyway you know a lot of these characters were in there but also friday you know a lot of mm-hmm. the same people were in friday so yeah, yeah john willis was in friday too yeah so yeah just kind of kind of interesting that kid and play didn't really take off and that they were kind of only known for this movie well they i mean they had a they had a decent uh musical career you know sort of before and after and they went on to do they did like the next two House Party films. I think there were a few after that that they weren't involved in. But House Party Two was pretty decent. You know, they had gone off to college. I kind of remember it. Was there like the, uh, bubbles involved? Like, uh... Uh, it might have been like the the premise of that one was they needed to raise money for something. I forget what it was, and so they they threw a pajama party. They called it the Pajama Jammy Jam, and you know, so at that point, you know. Uh, kid play Sydney and Shireen, you know, Bilal and all them. They were all in college, so it was a college party that they threw. Um, I forget what the third one was about, um, but then they started making a few house parties that that they weren't. I think TLC was in one of them, and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Immature was in like the the later ones or whatever. Um, and then Kid Play also did um, Class Act. Class Act, exactly. That, I remember that one too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I always thought that that was kind of like an un, unofficial, like prequel, kind of, or was it not? I don't know if it was or not. I mean, I, I haven't seen that movie in so long, but um, I mean, you well, know, it, it might be like sort of the same universe, though. Well, if if I remember correctly, I think Play was like in jail, wasn't he? And then he escaped, and then they kind of switched places. Yeah, yeah, he, like his, his, yeah. His character was named Blade Brown, and I think kids, he was a you know a criminal, like you said, he was locked up. And Kid was playing a cat named, uh, I think it was Duncan Penderhughes, so, who was yeah, a Duncan. fucking, he was a big ass nerd, you know, still rocking that classic, you know, Kid high top fade that he had back in the days and everything before he before he locked it up and had, you know, the, the locks and everything. Um, and they were, they couldn't be any different, you know, any, any more different than they were, you know, a criminal, you know, versus a, a big time nerd and everything. And, um, you know, that was, that was sort of where that started, like you said, they end up switching identities and, you know, just chaos ensued after that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Was, um, now house party, was there any other maybe messages or anything that you picked up this time around, you know, kind of more as an adult that you didn't really catch uh, earlier on when you used to watch this just kind of, you know, as a, as a youth. I wouldn't say that I didn't notice it before, but I probably am more aware of it now as an adult. Like the fact that, um, you know, the police officers that were in this movie kept fucking with these cats. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, kid is literally walking down the street on his way to the party and they fucking pull him over and shine that bright light in his face and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, his saving grace was the fact that the cops had run out of donuts. That's it. So they left them alone at that moment. But then there was another scene later on where, where Pops, Robert Harris, is walking down the street on his way to go find this cat. And they pull him over and they fuck with him, you know what I'm saying, and have him put his head, you know, they, they pull their guns on him and, you know, they um they have him put his hands on his head and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, eventually he was like, yo, I can read, you know, badge names and numbers and all that kind of stuff. And so they kind of pulled back once he, you know, said, you know, I got you. I got you. I know who you motherfuckers are, basically. Some things don't change. Apparently. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, unfortunately. You know, 
the scene where you know where he where kid ended up at the party mm-hmm. you know and um at the at the uh the gala that that uh Sydney's parents were at and you know full force ends up coming in there and they start attacking him and everything those same two cops showed up again and you know they wanted to arrest them and everything like that but the, the the people didn't want to press charges and but they still humiliated the kids by making them put their hands on their heads and say i am somebody mm-hmm. um and then of course you know one of the craziest things was that you know even though it didn't happen on camera you know they 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 got the full force dudes and you know they were going to take them down to the station but one of them was like no nah, we don't need to take them down to the station we can handle this on our own we'll take them to the docks and they took them down to the docks and, and beat these cats asses man you know what I'm saying? And, you know, we didn't see that. But they said, but, you know, but later on, you know, you saw like, you know, they were like, man, you know, you know, people was like, oh, my stomach, my legs, my this, my that. And, you know, they was like, yo, they, they fucked us all, you know, fucked us all up the same way. So, like you said, like some things never changed or whatever. So that was probably something that I I noticed it every other time that I watched the movie. But being I probably more aware of it at this age. You know, and, 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 you know, the stuff that we're exposed to, you know, through social media, it's always happened, but now we have so much more access to, you know, finding out about stuff like that. So that stood out, you know, in addition to, of course, all of the laughs and all that kind of stuff, it was just like, damn, you know, this, that's in there too. Yeah. I mean, you, you've, you touched on everything, you know, uh, I was definitely more aware of it this time around. And, you know, recently, you know, you've been on the Liquor Run podcast, you know, shout out to them. You know, Shout out uh, to them, yeah. You know, talking about OJ and stuff. So yeah, the, as soon as I saw the cops, I was like, all right, you know, uh, I, I got my spidey senses, you know. So I was kind of, you know, kind of paying attention to this a little bit more, and some of the dialogue that was going on between them and Kid, and then them and Pops, and then how they handled full force. You know, like mm-hmm. everything you just said, it's, it's it's crazy. You know, and this is just a few years before OJ, before Rodney King, and all of that too. This was yep. still happening in 1990. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, what about the the music here? Uh, aside from, there's not a whole lot that I really recognize, uh, except for the the ones that are played here. But is there any that uh, stood out to you that you know was like your jam back then, or? Um, there was a there was a couple Luther Vandross joints. It might have actually been the same with the song like at the beginning, and then there was another part in there. Um, there was some Public Enemy that you know that they played at the party. Of course, the famous dance scene between the guys and the girls that we mentioned a few times. Uh, the song that was uh, playing at that time was a full force song, actually, mm. um, called "Ain't My Type of Hype." So you know, folks out there, if you want to hear that song, you know what I'm saying, just look that up. Full force, "Ain't My Type of Hype," and you know those three guys, like the three that I mentioned before: B. Fine, Paul Anthony, and, and Bo Lagalu. That's their group. Um, it was the three of them, and then they had three cousins. I can't remember their cousin's name. But Full Force was a family affair, you know what I'm saying? So that was one of their songs. Um, there might have been another song or two in there, too. Um, oh, of course, you know what I'm saying? Always and Forever. That was the song that Martin decided singing, he wanted yeah. to sing. Yeah, he was like, you know what I'm saying? You know, he, that's the one that he decided he wanted to sing to that girl. Um, so, yeah, it was a lot of, you know, good music or whatever. And I think they did a good job of, playing the music within the party scene. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like there was some music, you know, movies just kind of have music and, you know, instrumentals and stuff like that throughout. But the party scene, I mean, it makes you, it makes you want to dance. Like when you watch this movie, it kind of makes you want to dance too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, there was, you know, a song, um, oh shit, um, Why You Getting Funky On Me by um, the group called Today. 
that was a song that was playing in it. That's still one of my favorite joints or whatever from back in that time. You know what I'm saying? Um, that was played during the party. So, you know, they did a good job of sort of taking music that was out at that time and and putting it into the film. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those were sort of like your jams anyway, you know, back at that time. So when you heard it in the movie, you know, like I said, it made you want to dance too. Cause like, oh, this is my shit anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like, why yeah. they put that in there? Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Would you say this is one of like the, the I mean, it's called House Party, but I feel like this is one of the earlier movies that kind of spawns off like all these teenage movies, you know, like uh, Can't Hardly Wait, to some extent, American Pie, you know, that, ha- you know, features a house party. Yeah, I mean, it kind of is like, and it was sort of like the hip hop version of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know when those other movies came out. And, you know, there was probably like, I think The Breakfast Club came out in like the late 80s and you know, it was that was sort of like the thing at that time. Like there was a lot of different, you know, sort of teenage movies. And, you know, even Stand by Me, and you know, that was sort of like a more depressing type of thing. But mm-hmm. you know, there was there was sort of like a movement of like the 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 young. If I'm not mistaken, there was like Molly Ringwald and all those people were kind of like called the the Brat Pack or some shit like right. that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like you had that right in Hollywood, but this was like the the first black hip hop type joint that was sort of in that same spirit. You know what right. I'm saying? So I think that was another reason that that movie resonated so much with people like myself and, and anybody else that was, you know, in the hip hop music, because like I said, kid and play with people that we knew, you know, some people might've been huge fans. I wasn't necessarily the hugest kid and play fan, but I, I fucked with them though. You know what I'm saying? Like they had some joints that I, that I liked and everything like that. And like I said, I, I tried to do their little dances and everything like that. So they were, I think, the right people to play these roles in this movie and to and to do what this movie did. And then you sort of add Full Force, who sort of had a different vibe, and you throw them in there, you know, that sort of opened the door for a lot of people in music because not too long after that, you know, Cube came out with Boys in the Hood mm-hmm. and, you know, Menace to Society, even though the lead role wasn't a rapper, you did have MC8 in the in that movie. Right. Who was, you know, a, a hardcore rapper, you know, from Compton. And like I said, Boys in the Hood Cube had one of the lead roles in that. So House Party and what Kid and Play and even Full Force did, you know, sort of opened the door, for, you know, for good, for better or for worse. Because obviously there's been, you know, <laughs> some movies where, you know, people who don't have training as actors have had, you know, gotten these roles and not really, you know, been the greatest. But that was sort of like the the start of you know, the hip hop cast getting a chance to get into the acting game. Right. Uh, another thing I do like is kind of the, the well, I, I was going to say relationship, but just kind of how kid is with uh, Shireen and Sydney. Cause like, now let me ask you a personal preference here. W- would you, or are you more team Shireen or team Sydney? Uh, I mean, I don't know, man. Um, it's a tough one. That's a tough one. I mean, they they both seem like really cool girls. I could see reason to, to try to highlight either one of them. So I, to me, like his interest in in either one of them was good. So like, okay, I'll say it like this. So like, Sydney is sort of like the that classic, you know, so called girl next door, the nice girl, the the one that you want to make your wife and have a family with, and all of these different things and. Shireen might also have those qualities, but, you know, you sort of look at her different 
you know what I'm saying, you know, right or wrong, you might sort of look at her differently. She's more outwardly sexy and, and more outwardly like, um, you know, trying to use her looks and, and things like that or whatever. Not that it's a bad thing at all, but between the two, most people will probably look at Sydney as, as more of the, the so-called wifey material type of chick. And they might look at Shireen as a different type of person. But Shireen also seemed like the type of girl that she might actually kind of weed certain people away from herself because they assume certain things about her. Mm -hmm. But if you actually had a chance to sit down and talk to her and, and get to know her on a real personal level, then she would probably be somebody that, you know, you would also want to have, you know, on your side for the long term. You know what I'm saying? But they were two totally different girls. And I don't think that it where they lived at didn't necessarily make that difference, but their personalities are, you know, seem different enough to where like I could see why a kid was intrigued and interested in both of them. Now, you know, I mean, you know, keeping it all the way live, his dick might have been telling him to holler at Shireen because he might have felt like it was an easier scenario, but that might not have necessarily been the case. Right. But I could say like if I were, if I was him and if I was in that situation, I could see myself being interested in both of those young ladies. But I think he kind of was a dirtbag with how he handled it, though, because he was trying to holler at both of these ladies in the same night. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he walks, he walks, he's walking them home and, you know, he's trying to kiss Shireen and everything like that. And then that doesn't work. And then he, you know, starts spitting at Sydney later and, you know, damn near has sex with her. But, you know, they didn't have any any uh, protection and her parents came home too. So he played it like a dirt bag, but I can understand why he would be interested in both of them. But that's sort of a sketchy thing. Like, you kind of either need to choose one or the other one. Like if you're trying to highlight both of them, man, you know, that's not going to be a good look, especially within minutes. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, of, just, of especially other. when, when they were dancing, you know, he's trying to dance yeah. with Shireen and then, and then he goes over to uh, Sydney who's like, no, I, I don't want to dance. And he's, you know, a little pushy, you know, a little pushy. Yeah. Dad. Yeah. And she was like, I, you know, you come over here to ask me to dance after you ask Shireen. Like, yeah, man, like, they're not stupid, man. Don't try to play them. You know, play them for the fool or play them against each other. That like that was that was some dirtbag shit. Yeah, so th that's another reason. You know, I uh, enjoyed it even more, more so this viewing. Just you know, as you know, more somebody a little bit more experienced. You know, uh, uh, all these years with relationships and stuff. I, this movie is still relatable even till this time. You know, yeah. with uh, everything the kid was going through. Everybody's been in that situation where you had you know person A and person B. And like some, you know, a little bit of selfishness comes into play where you're just, just like, well, I want, I want a little bit of both. Let me try one and then go to the other. But from a guy's perspective, like well, women are not that dumb. Like they see that stuff. You, right. you just said it, you know. Yeah. So I just found it kind of comical. Like, you know, it it, it spoke to me because I was like, I, I've been in those situations. Yeah. Yeah, he, he definitely was wrong for that. But, um, you know, I guess in the end he made a he made a more serious connection with Sydney. Um, in this film and in the second movie, they were still together. So the connection that they made was real, but it's like, you know, you, you went about it the wrong way. He, he was lucky that, you know, he actually was able to get her after trying to holler at her friend. Right. Because he could have ended up with neither one of them. <laughs> um, so, gosh, you know, I, I think I can use a little bit more Martin. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, his character was funny, man. Bilal was funny. Like, he... <laughs> He didn't have a lot of screen time, but he definitely commanded those scenes. And, I, and I, if I'm 
not mistaken, that was it might not have been his first role because I think he might have had a small role in another film. I think you're right. At some point before this, um, was Boomerang before this? I don't know if Boomerang was before this or not, but actually, I think Boomerang was after this because oh, okay. he looked like he was older. Okay. And Boomerang, but there was something else that came out for this movie that uh, that he was in. He had a small, small role, in, but you do see him on camera. But this was probably the first time that he had a chance to, like, you know, speak and, and sort of, you know, project feeling and emotion and everything. And he did a good job of being, like, pissed off when play, you know, came over late as hell. You know, when, he, when he showed up later on, you know, after however many hours, like, the first time he showed up at Bilal's house, you know, the sun was out and everything like that. And he came back later with a car full of women and it was dark outside. He was like, you know, I just sat out here to tell you that I'm not fucking going to this party, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So Martin definitely was a scene stealer in the film. You know, he didn't have a lot of stuff, but he, I think he did a good job with everything that he, that he was given to do. What would, uh, what'd you think of, uh, about his room? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His room was crazy. He had like, I swear like every jet beauty of the week that, had come out over the last year or more. You know what I'm saying? It was like a wallpaper. I, didn't, I never had it. Yeah, he had a whole wallpaper and a slippery when wet sign <laughs> on top of it or whatever. I, I didn't have it like that, but I did have pictures of, of pretty women on my walls. And, you know, the Jet Magazine, you know, shout out to Jet Magazine, the beauty of the week. You know what I'm saying? I used That was always like the first thing that you look for. Like if anybody out there that remembers Jet Magazine, you know, I'm sure most of the fellas at least, you know, flip to the middle of the magazine, which is where they had the beauty of the week. And you wanted to see what was up with her, who she was, and in the picture and everything, because normally she was in some kind of a bathing suit and everything. And then if you had any other interest in whatever else was going on with the magazine, and you flip back to it. But your first mission was to look at the beauty of the week. So, like, this cat had, like, all the jet beauties of the week on the wall or whatever. He had a beast-ass room, man. I wish mine was like that, but it, it wasn't like that. But I did have some of them, you know what I'm saying? But I don't think my mom's would have went for me having all that shit. I don't know how he got all that past his parents. Yeah. You know I mean? uh, actually, you bring up a very good point. Like, he, I mean, it's walls completely, f- f- you know, f- filled with these pictures. Like, his parents don't see this, or, I mean, unless they're yeah. just okay with it. But uh, it's pretty funny. I, I, I did forget that uh, they, they there's a lot of shade on, on him being called Dragon Breath. Throughout the Dragon movie. Breath Bilal. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that's it. But, uh, yeah, I think I think we touched on um, a lot of the, you know, I don't want to call them issues, but uh, definitely some of the messages in this movie and then some. Uh, what we also do on the show is, you know, kind of give a, a rating out of five stars. Um and w- w- what would you get this? You can break it up however you want, half half stars or whatever. Man, you know what? Just because I, I've always loved this movie or whatever, I'm gonna go ahead and give it five out of five, man. Okay. All right, I can see that. Uh you know, this was fun. This movie is still fun. Uh I, I hadn't seen it in so long. I, I was kinda like, you know what, nineties kid and play weren't really good actors. And I can bypass uh, bypass that. You know, kid, kid's a little cheesy in his acting. I actually think I, I thought play was actually pretty good. You know, yeah, he was. I was thinking like, what what had the what if these you know had switched? I wonder if that the movie would like change significantly. But because I was just like, kid's the better actor. Why was he not the lead? But you know, we talked about you know perhaps the casting was because of the you know the 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 skin tone. I don't know. You know, but it's still fun. It's got a lot of messages. This movie is a lot deeper than people give it credit for. Like, go back yeah, and watch yeah, this yeah. again. 
you know yeah, some of the things that you know you have pointed out it's it's crazy but uh, I'm, I'm gonna give it a solid four you know it's yeah. uh it, it i have no nostalgic ties to it but uh you know it's something that i used to watch often on tv when it was on you know it was mm-hmm. one of my like kid movies that uh, I, I would call it uh, I, I don't own this i probably add it to my collection but it's not something i think i'd go back and watch uh often but still a fun watch for sure yeah definitely man so you know, I, I, I didn't, uh, I don't think I had you do so at the beginning. So at this point, why don't you give your, uh, you know, contact information and talk a little bit about your show, the look and listen podcast. Yeah. So, uh, the podcast, like he said, it's called the look and listen podcast. Um, you can find it on iTunes, Podomatic, Stitcher, RSS radio, and, you know, your podcast, you know, catcher of choice, just search uh, Look and Listen Podcast. And what I do on that show is, um, you know, it's evolved over time. You know, at first I was doing a book club or trying to do a book club, which was called the Look and Listen Book Club. So the podcast was originally supposed to be, you know, for book reviews and stuff like that, but that didn't really take off the way I wanted it to. So somewhere along the line, I came up with what I call one-on-one episodes, which are topical discussions um, so, for example, we could have done one on on this movie for whatever, you know, and I would have had, you know, Peter and whoever else on and we would have discussed the movie. I would have, you know, asked questions or whatever. So we got topical stuff, you know, for example, uh, pro wrestling, hip hop one on one, comics one on one, stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Where I'm talking to other people about sort of like their history, their experiences with these things, you know, how you got involved in something, you know, while, you know how you do what you do, whatever it is kind of, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, so that's what the one-on-ones are. And then somewhere along the line, I started doing mixtapes. I kind of get into these musical vibes sometimes where I just, you know, sort of want to hear certain things or whatever. And, you know, I might post it to my, my Twitter or my Facebook page or whatever. So one day I was like, why don't I try this on the, um, on the podcast? So I tried it. And, and what those are is, you know, it's basically a theme for the particular mixtape. So, you know, I've got a couple about 90s hip hop. There's one with all female artists. There's one that I did, not in a morbid sense, but there's one that I did with um, all artists who have passed away. So every song on that mixtape is either by an artist who is, who's who's dead or features an artist who was dead. Like, for example, um, I've got a couple of songs, I think, that Tupac did by himself, but then like America's Most, two of America's Most Wanted, you know, with him and Snoop Dogg. Snoop is still here, but Pac is dead. So, you know, and it's sort of a unique mixture of, of you know, anybody from, you know, Pac and Biggie, Sean Price to, you know, uh, Donnie Hathaway and, and Nirvana, you know, because Kurt Cobain is dead. So all of those people are on there. So when you listen to my show, you get the topical one-on-one stuff or you get the mixtape stuff. Um, so check that out again. Look and listen podcast. You can find it on you know your podcast vehicle of choice. Um, on, I'm on Twitter uh, at L Brothers Media at Look Listen Pod for the podcast. Um, I have a Facebook page for uh, L Brothers Media. Um, there's also a Look and Listen podcast Facebook page, and I just started a group uh, Look and Listen One on One. So that's sort of a, a community thing on Facebook as well. Um, and that's pretty much it. Like I said, you know, the, the Twitter stuff. and Oh, and also lbrothersmedia.com. I forgot about the website. lbrothersmedia.com is the website. And it's kind of like a one-stop shop for that stuff. And, you know, I haven't done any video projects in a while, but, you know, hopefully I'll be able to get some of that stuff going too. You can find all of that in that location.
Yeah, and also, you know, um, for the listeners, just check out the the show notes. I'll uh, include all of those links so that way it's easier for them to access that. Um, But for my content, Hydrate Level 4 and my other show, Original Remake, both can be found at followingfilms.com. Uh, I do a list show with uh, with Devin. You can find that at cortemparts.com, and that's called We Got Five. And uh, recently, we are actually, in, right now, we're finishing up our coverage of Fuller House on our uh, sister podcast called TV Ate My Brain. And coming soon, there's going to be some coverage of Daredevil and uh, Silicon Valley by a couple of other uh, podcasters. So uh, subscribe to that if you guys are interested in those shows. So until the next episode, for Leonard, I'm Peter. This is Hydrate Level 4.